following Christ, living as a Christian, is more than just getting saved. Following Christ, living as a Christian, is more than just putting your faith in Jesus for the sake of eternal life. The Bible tells us when we put our faith in Christ that you are saved. The Bible is very clear in that. Uh, Romans 10, 9, 10, 13 both tell us that. The Bible tells us when you place your faith in Christ, the greatest miracle that could ever happen, you cross from death over to life. That occurs. The Bible tells us when we put our faith in Christ that we are a new creation. The old has passed away. And it says, behold, take a look, new has come. The Bible tells us very clearly when we put our faith in Christ, we are filled fully with the Holy Spirit of God. We are enabled and empowered through the Holy Spirit of God which lives inside of us, who lives inside of us. Uh, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, verse 12, when we put our faith in Christ, we become a child of God. The Bible tells us when we put our faith in Christ, we are reconciled with a, a holy God. We're made right. We're even declared the righteousness of Christ. All of these things, tremendous Things, marvelous things happen when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But, but I want you to also see this morning, when you put your faith in Jesus, when you put your faith in Christ, you become a part of something. You become a part of something. Your individual response has corporate implications. When you put your faith in Christ, you become a part of the body, the church. You become part of a cause. The Bible says an ambassador for Christ. You become a part of the kingdom of God, a citizen in and a participant in the kingdom of God. And so understand this morning, if you're here today and you are a Christian, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a part of something. You belong to something. So the logical question would be then, so what is it that I belong to? What am I a part of? And what does that look like as, as a Christian? What am I a part of? What is it that I belong to? Well, today, here in our study, in Luke chapter 13, Jesus answers that question. Today, our message is entitled, The Truth About the Kingdom. The Truth about the kingdom. We're going to be in Luke chapter 13 today. We're going to look at verses 18 through 21. Again, Luke chapter 13, verses 18 through 21. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 13, beginning here in verse 18. So he was saying, talking about Jesus, so he was saying, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and threw into his own garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today. We're thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. And I pray at this time that I would set my eyes upon you and that I would be here and I would be in obedience as you've told us together, together, that I would be here seeking you, seeking to honor you, seeking to fellowship with your people, seeking to hear your truth. 
And I pray that today we would come and it wouldn't just be a service that we pass through, an hour that we go through, but I, I pray that it would be a supernatural experience as I know that you've ordained it and called for it to be. I pray that the truth of your word would, would come alive today and it would, it would grip our hearts today and it would change our thoughts and our actions and our priorities today. I pray that we would be encouraged in the hearing of your word. I pray for some here that do not know Jesus Christ and I believe there's some in this room that do not know you. I pray that today, maybe in what they're going through in their life and maybe in the, the hearing of God's word and the drawing of your spirit, that in this hour, they would put their faith in Jesus Christ in this hour to God's glory. We come today and tell you we thank you. We worship you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I believe most people want to belong to something. I believe most people have a desire, an innate desire built in them to want to be a part of something. Now, there are some that say, well, I don't. I don't need that. And there may be a few true loners out there, but I believe the majority of people want to be part of something. They want to be included. They want to be a part of a certain crowd. And, and you watch when people get around each other. There's, there's certain crowds that we gravitate towards. And we want to be a part of a certain crowd. Or, or a young person wants to be a part of a gang. And, and the acceptance that's in the gang. Or, or we want to be part of a team. And I want to participate on a team. And then as adults, when we can no longer be on the team, we want to associate with that team. And, and we want to be a part. We want to be included in something. Well, again, as we have already seen, as Christians, we are part of something. And in the biggest and broadest terms, we are part of the kingdom of God. You are part of, as a follower of Christ, of the kingdom of God. Our individual faith puts us, includes us in the kingdom of God. Now, I can tell you today, that is a big concept. That may be a hard concept, and, and we want to know today, and people want to know what exactly is the kingdom of God? What does it mean, the kingdom of God? And what does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of God? And, and what does it look like for me to be included in the kingdom of God? What does that actually look like? Well, today, in the midst of his teaching, and, and think about the context here, in the, in the midst of his teaching on repentance, in the midst of his teaching on turning to God, in the middle of displaying his power, the miracle that he just performed, confirming the truth that he was the Messiah, in the midst of that, in those preceding verses coming out of that, Jesus then reveals the kingdom. He then describes the kingdom. And in the, in the next couple of verses, he uses two parables. He uses two pictures, really, to reveal and to describe the kingdom of God. Now, that's a very interesting thing. Here he is, and he's teaching on repentance, and he's, he's teaching on these are the signs of the times, and, and I'm coming again, and eternal things matter, and he's, he's talking about repenting and turning back to God, and then he, he does this miracle confirming who he is, and then in the midst of that, he then turns and really describes the kingdom of God. And so let's look at that today in our verses. Now, in each of these cases, in each of these parables, 
we're going to look at the picture, the, the parable, and then we're going we're gonna to apply it to us today. And that's what we're going to do. So we begin today with the first picture, the first parable in, in verse 18. It says this. So he was saying, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? Again, he is going to use an illustration. He's going to use this picture to help us understand God's kingdom. What is God's kingdom like? What can I compare it to? And then he tells us, the first picture in verse 19. It is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God, it is like a mustard seed, which a man took and threw into his own garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. Listen to that again. Let that picture develop in your mind. The kingdom of God, it is like a mustard seed which a man took and threw into his own garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. A mustard seed is a very small seed. It could be mistaken even for a grain of sand. So it is just a speck, a very small seed. Well, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And here's the picture, this, this little speck, this little tiny seed. And, and the seed was thrown into the garden. And then it takes root there in the garden. And it begins to grow, and it grows into this tree. A mustard bush, I found, can be 12 feet tall. That's pretty normal for a mustard bush to be 12 feet tall. I found that under perfect conditions... It could be as tall as 15 feet tall. And so see the picture. This, this speck of a seed has grown and has become this big tree. Now the Bible says it is so big, it is so sturdy. Now this is part of the picture that, that birds don't just light on it, don't just fly and land on it, but they build their nest upon it. So this is no insignificant bush. This is a tree that, that birds are building their nests in. It supports these nests. And so see the picture here. There is a seed, and it is tiny, and it, it's cast out into the garden, and it begins to grow, and it grows even bigger. And then one day it is a tree that even the birds nest in this tree. That is the picture. What is the kingdom of heaven like? It's like that. That's what Jesus is saying. What, what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's just like that. Now, what does that mean? I want to show you today uh, three truths from this parable. Three things for us to see about the kingdom of God from this picture. Now, now follow along. The first is this. The first truth is this. The kingdom of God has a small star. The, the truth is, from the picture, the kingdom of God has a small start. Just like this small mustard seed, it, it might have been considered insignificant. It might have been considered of little consequence. And that is how the kingdom of God begins. It is small. It is unlikely. It is largely unnoticed. Now, think about that for just a second. Think about the star of the kingdom of God here on earth. Think about that. The initiator of the kingdom, Jesus, was killed on a cross. 
Now, that doesn't sound like too big of a start, does it? Well, you know what? It starts small. The, the initiator of the kingdom was killed on the cross. Think about this. The message of the kingdom, which is a resurrected Christ, to the Jews, they couldn't get past that. It was a, it was a stumbling block to them. To the Gentiles, they thought that was absurdity. They thought that was plain foolishness. They laughed at a resurrected Christ. And so the message of the kingdom, they can't believe. They can't get over. Think about the first preachers of the kingdom. They were mere fishermen, a tax collector, mere laborers. The Bible says they were uneducated and ignorant men. Those are the first preachers of the kingdom. That doesn't sound like much of a start. Think about the community of the kingdom, the church. The church was isolated and the church was abominated and the church was persecuted and that is the start of the kingdom of God. It is unlikely and it is unnoticed and it starts small. Jesus shows us that in that picture. So the first thing, the kingdom of God has a small start. Leads us to the second truth and be sure and get the second truth. It starts small, but the second truth is it ends big. It ends big. Just like that speck that now stands as a tree, the small unnoticed start has a magnificent and undeniable end. Now I want you to see this. Let's watch this today. The small start was a baby born in Bethlehem the first advent of Christ. But I want you to see today, the big finish is a king that comes in glory, the second advent of Christ. And understand, on that day, the kingdom of God on earth will stand and never be opposed again. On that day, the king of that kingdom will eternally be presiding over his earthly kingdom. And the Bible says, listen to this, and the tabernacle of God will be among men, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people. The only people in God's kingdom are going to be God's people. And it says, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe every tear from their eye. In that kingdom, there will no longer be any death. There will never again be a grave for us to stand by. No longer any mourning, never longer a person ever to console, nor crying, nor pain, for all those things have passed away. And the Bible says upon that day, and he who sits on the throne will say, survey, look around, behold, all things are new. Friends, a small start, an insignificant start in a feed trough out behind, the, out behind an inn there in Bethlehem has a big finish and the king of glory reigns over this earth and it has a big finish. Praise God for that. It's not always gonna be like this. It's not always gonna be like this. That leads us to the third truth. And don't you miss this third truth. A lot of times people say, well, they get that small start, and hey, we understand that big conclusion. But a lot of times we miss what happens in between, and there's a lot of false teaching going on on what happens in between. Don't miss this. The third truth is this. It has a small start. It has a big finish. But the third truth is this. It is growing steadily in between. Do you see that? That's the picture here. Here's this seed and then one day it's a big tree and it is growing steadily in between and that's the truth. That's a big deal for us. Let's see this today. Listen to me. 
Today there are some who are teaching falsely and some of them are teaching fraudulently that today we are living in the fullness of the kingdom of God. They call it a, a dominion movement or the king, kingdom now movement. And they say, you know what? We're living now in the fullness of the kingdom of God. And these people will say, and you can hear them all over the place, there's more of them now than there are of us. And they say, you know what? The atonement of the cross has ushered in the kingdom now. And they say, you know what? If you know how to tap into that, if you know somehow how to confess that, or if you know how to speak it into existence, somehow you can bring that reality and you can establish it now. These folks teach we can live in the reality of the kingdom now. And they would say, as Christians, you need not be sick. They would say, as Christians, you can't get cancer. In fact, some of them have said, our church is a cancer-free zone. They would say, as Christians, you should never be poor. They would say, as a Christian, you can't ever suffer because we are citizens of the kingdom. And, and Bill Johnson and Creflo Dollar and a bunch of other guys like that, they say, your words create the kingdom now. And they say, don't confess those things. Let me tell you something today. It is a lie, and it's dangerous, and it's wrong, and it's not the truth. It is a lie. Let me tell you what God says. God says we live in this present evil age. That doesn't seem like the kingdom now. Book of Galatians says that. The Bible says the devil prowls about looking for someone to devour. First Peter, that doesn't sound like the kingdom now. Jesus says, look what they did to the master. Why would you get off any easier? Why should you expect any different? Listen to me today. In the fullness of God's kingdom, the devil and all of his demons will have been cast into hell. Sin and evil will have forever been banished and sickness and death will no longer rule. But listen to me today, these aren't those days. Some of you know me and I'll just tell you this. I take this personally. I take this personally. Well, can't we just get along with everybody? Isn't that just another way to think? I'll tell you what, I take this personally. This past January... I preached my own dad's funeral, and it's still hard. And he, he battled cancer, he battled, had a heart problem, had heart problems and all that for, for 10 long years. He, he went through the treatments, and he battled that for 10 long years. And I want to tell you something, and I'll, I'll tell you with, with all that I am, in that battle, he walked with Christ. And in that battle, he honored Christ. And there was days we'd go over to his little house, and he he couldn't get out of his house, and some days he couldn't get out of his chair, and he had sores all over his body, and he had sores in his mouth, and he, he'd vomit all throughout the day, and, and he, he would sit there, and he would read the Bible. I can still see it open there at his desk. And he would, he would pray for people. And then something so far out of his character, he began to, to write cards to people that were also dealing with cancer. And he would write them cards of encouragement, tell them that, that he would pray for them. And then, and then when he could come to church, and, and on the days he was strong enough, he would, he would come wobbling in here. 
He'd have that oxygen machine. He hated that oxygen machine. He had, his, had that walker and he'd come in here and as a grown man, it hurt his pride to, to come hobbling in here. But if he could get here, he would get here. And let me tell you something. I dare the man to tell me he had no faith. I dare the man to tell me he claimed the wrong things or he didn't speak the right words. I want to tell you, it is nonsense. He put his faith in Jesus Christ. He claimed Jesus as his Lord and Savior and we're all still sitting here and he's in Jesus' presence. It's nonsense and it's dangerous and it's a lie. So we see here it starts small, insignificant. And we see that it grows steadily. And we see that it finishes big. That's the picture. What's the kingdom of God like? That's what it's like. That's what Jesus says. We're not going to get finished today. We're not going to even look at the next two verses. We'll do that next time. But I look at these verses today, and I look at these verses this week, and I honestly wonder, why did he put this in there? Seriously, it seems out of place. Why did he put this in there? Why, in the midst of proclaiming the gospel, why, in the midst of calling people to himself, why, in the midst of revealing and confirming who he is, that he's the Messiah, that, that he's the Savior, came to come to save men from their sin, why does all of a sudden he turn and he start to talk about the kingdom of God? Why does he want to tell us what the kingdom is like? Why does he show us that it starts small, that it grows, and that it finishes big? Why does he show us that? I think it's this. I think this is why it's here. I, th I think that there were these believers who were listening right then. And can you imagine what they're getting ready to face? They're getting ready to see the crucifixion and they're going to see the resurrection and they're going to take the message of the gospel and they're going to start the church. I believe he, he knows that there are some who are listening right then. And I believe he also knows that there's going to be many to follow and many that follow after them and, and generation after generation and even today for us. And I believe he knows that, that in the hearing of this and in the, the reading of this that there's going to be that isolated missionary and they're going to sow seeds, and they're going to sow seeds, but maybe they don't see much fruit from it, but they're going to be faithful, and they're going to sow the seeds, and, and maybe they're going to be persecuted along the way, and, and maybe they're going to be in harm's way, and, and, and they're going to keep sowing, and they're going to keep sowing those seeds, and, and nobody knows where they're at, and nobody knows their name, and even nobody knows what they're up to, but they're going to keep sowing those seeds. And maybe he knew there was going to be a preacher who toils away there in his study and, and nobody sees what goes on and he, and he prays to God that somehow he would get it right, that he'd be faithful to that call and then he comes and, and nobody wants to hear the message anymore and the people turn against him and yet faithfully he climbs back into that pulpit week after week and he sows those seeds and he can't see that, that there's any response to it but he sows those seeds. Or maybe he knows there's a person in, and they're the only voice of Christ at their workplace and, and they're sowing those seeds and people want to avoid them and, and they're sowing those seeds and, and people begin to ridicule them and Jesus is showing them here the truth of the kingdom. 
He's showing them the truth that, brother or sister, it's growing. It's growing. It's growing. You, you can't see it. It's, it's growing and it's hard and it's tough and you're tired, but it's growing. And it may start small, but it's growing. And it, and it, and it may be something that seems insignificant and you may sow in tears, but it's growing until one day the master steps in and he says, look up, stand up. The finish is big. Praise God. That's why he puts it in here. We live in an age when the gospel is not popular. It's getting ready to be increasingly so. We get in an age when it's hard to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We don't even know what it's getting ready to look like. Nobody's going to have any use for this good news. We see it all over our world today. And he gives us this word to encourage us. Keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing. There's a big finish.